Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we are going to speak with an author whose book I thoroughly enjoyed. Like I'm very, very excited to not only share this conversation with you, you'll see why, but also to share his beautiful book with you. So today I have a conversation with a transformational truth teacher named Coot Blackson. And Coot has authored several books, but his most recent book is called The Magic of Surrender. And this book, I have to tell you, um, uh, as many of you know, I have uh, had a very interesting year. Um, I have just recently lost yet another dear friend. And when I interview authors, I like to wait to read the books closer to the interview so that it's fresh on my mind. And I had found out um, that a friend of mine, I, she was battling stage four cancer. And I went to Dallas just a few weeks ago to visit her in the hospital. And about a week after visiting, um, she had passed away. And so I was having a really hard time getting it together, getting my mind together to be able to read a book. And I thought like, wow, what am I gonna do? So just a few days ago, prior to speaking with Coot, thankfully, I remembered that Audible is an option. And this was the first book that I actually listened to on Audible. And it was amazing. I didn't want to stop. I got through it in two days. It was absolutely phenomenal. So I really am um, excited for you not only to experience the content of this book for yourself, but even more to right now have this insight from Coot himself. So he is going to share with us the magic of surrender and finding the courage in letting go. And there are so many beautiful insights that he shares that will help you start to really look deeper at who you are, where you're at, and how to open up to being more authentic to who you are and feeling more in line with your path. I mean, so many of us question like, what's my purpose? Am I living my purpose? I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, I'm sure this conversation is going to inspire you in so many ways. So if you would like to learn more about Coot and his work, you can find him on social media, on Instagram, go to Coot Blackson. You can also go to his website, kootblackson.com. And if you would like to work with him more directly through some virtual events and um, other offerings that he has, including a 12-day journey to Bali, you can find all of those links in the description below. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Can't wait to hear what comes up for you. And I will see you on the other side. Okay, everyone, today we have a very special guest on Reiki Radio, Coot Blackson. Coot is the author of The Magic of Surrender, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today, Coot, and I first of all want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to be here. Good, it's good to have you. I first want to start out, I mean, this book, Firstly, I have to say it was very interesting, very honest, and very relatable, but it really struck me how much it showed what we learn about ourselves through relationship. 
And when I saw the title, you know, the magic of surrender, I was like, Ooh, okay, well, what are we surrendering? Right. But there's so much depth in here. So I want to start out with just asking um, a little bit about you. So people have some background, a little bit about your path and what even led up to the writing of this book. Oh yeah. Just a bit about me. For those that don't know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London, now live in the U.S. for over 20 years. Um, from a very young age, I always felt a deep calling to serve humanity in some way. I didn't know exactly what that would look like. Um, as a young boy, I always felt, uh, I felt, I was very sensitive, so I felt people suffering. And there was a deep desire to alleviate their suffering in some way. And so, um also, my first memories was, I remember being a young kid, about five, six, seven years old, and uh, I remember being lost in the crowd in Ghana, West Africa, and seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor, and she picks up the sand that this man walks on and wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing uh, the same man who sand she picked up. Uh, look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? And he touched the woman in the wheelchair and she would stand up or a blind person come, touch their eyes and sight would be restored. Person, a guy with crutches show up and had, couldn't walk and, you know, he would say, throw your crutches away. And so week after week, uh, this man was my father. Uh, he built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. He had a huge church. We had a huge church in London, about 5,000 people every Sunday. And so this was the environment of, let's say, spirituality and, you know, uh, mysticalness that I grew up in. Uh, but for me, it just seemed very normal. I didn't think it was that different. I thought everyone's life was like this. And so uh, from, from a young age, I became really obsessed with trying to understand humanity, human nature. You know, I, I, went to, I got a scholarship to a school uh, that was very prestigious and got, went to get this education for free. And so I was around a lot of politicians' kids and very wealthy people's kids and, you know, president of countries' children. And, and yet it seemed for me, when I would look at their life, I would wonder why the people who seem to have everything seem to be so miserable. And then I'd come home to my father's church where, you know, he was serving some of the, the more, uh, this is called the underprivileged in the community, and yet they seemed happy and fulfilled in many ways. And so this was confusing. So I started asking myself the questions, you know, who, who am I? Why am I here? What's the purpose of life? Is it just to wake up and go to sleep and eat and make babies and then, you know, die, buy a car, vacation, and then die? Like, surely there has to be more to this whole human experience. And so what is the purpose of life? And so from age eight, I started becoming obsessed with trying to understand human nature and age eight to 18, I probably read seven, 800 books in the realms of psychology, meditation, spirituality, uh, Eastern mystics, Western, Western, you know, uh, teachers and authors. And from age eight, I started speaking my father's audience uh, in front of the, in, in, in his church, in front of a congregation of four to 5,000 people. And age 14, I was ordained as a minister. And uh, that's when a lot of turmoil began because I felt this calling to serve people. And one day my father announces to the congregation, my son is taking over my ministry. And I was announced as the, the successor. Hundreds of thousands of people in Ghana, West Africa, had their hopes, dreams, and expectations on me. And yet in that moment, I knew that this was not my path. In that moment, I knew that this was not my destiny. In that moment, I knew that 
this was not what I was supposed to be doing with my life in terms of the structure of religion or church. And yet at 14, you know, I was too, I was too afraid to speak up and I was too afraid to speak my truth to my dad because my fear was if I dared to be who I am, I dared to speak my truth. I dared to express how I really feel that I wouldn't be loved. And I think many of us as human beings, we hide who we are. We hide our truth. We hide our authentic nature because we're afraid that if people really knew who we were, they won't love us. And so I think that's one of the, the deeper sources of suffering and pain and depression yeah. is knowing, even, even if we're loved for being something that we think other people want, we know we're not really being loved for our true self. We're not really, we know that the love that we're getting is not real because we're having to be someone else to get it. And so, um, yeah, I went along with it for four years, turmoil, the turmoil of knowing this was not my path and, and I struggled. And for, I would say four years, when I turned 17, 18, I knew I, had to have a conversation with my father. I chose not to go to university. And I said, okay, I got two paths. Well, something was calling me to come to the US. At this stage, I wanted to go into the field of personal development and self-help and inspire people. And I'd read all these folks in, in America, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, Jim Rohn, uh, Zig Ziglar, I mean, all, Brian Tracy, all of these folks, they, they were speaking and doing seminars. And I, I thought, I wanna go meet these people in the US. And so, I felt this crazy calling. Sometimes I think what your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your mind. What right. your soul guides you to do is not always convenient. What your soul guides you to do may not always make sense. And so, and I think many of us, we, we don't honor our soul's guidance because it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And I always say, your soul doesn't care about convenience. Your soul really cares about your evolution. And so I looked into my future and I saw I could follow the expected path for my life, the path to see my life was set out for me, you know, right. and do this, be this, follow this. And I could follow the expected path and be successful by everybody else's standards. I could follow the expected path and uh, be wealthy, be famous. But I knew that if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my own integrity, then what do I have? You know, really, what do I have? And, and I really feel like you can't be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. You can't be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And so I decided to have a conversation with my father. It was heartbreaking because I was sure, like, uh, I'm going to be alone. He'll never speak to me again. I'm going to be outcast forever. I'm going to be abandoned. And so after overcoming some of those fears, I finally had the challenging conversation with my father, spoke my truth. And uh, we didn't speak for two years. Uh, is really difficult. Sometimes people think that when you find your purpose in life, like everything's easy, you know, life opens up and the angels start singing. I think sometimes when you find your purpose in life, the real challenges then begin. And I think, and, and many times people think that when those challenges begin, that they're doing something wrong. Maybe they weren't following the purpose. I actually say that's uh, sometimes a sign that you're actually on the right path. When you follow your purpose, the challenges begin because it's almost as though the universe, I, I call them soul tests. The universe bring these challenges and tests into your life as a way to force you to develop your mental, your emotional, your spiritual, physical capacity to, to really prepare you to become the person that is capable of fulfilling the dream, the vision, desire. Look at Nelson Mandela, spent 27 years in prison. 
27 years in prison. I just imagine the level of compassion, the level of understanding, the depth of wisdom, the depth of empathy that he had to access and develop year after year after year so that he could become the great Nelson Mandela. And so I think these soul tests, I face my soul tests and soul tests are a gift. Soul, soul tests are a blessing because they actually prepare us to do what we are here to do. And had the conversation with, with my father, we didn't speak and uh, cut a long story short, won a green card in a lottery, green card lottery and with 800 to $1,000 came to the US, knew no one, began a life, you know? And, and so I think it's been a hell of a journey since that moment, but I really do believe one of the things as human beings that keeps us stuck, one of the things as human beings that stop, stops us from truly accessing who we really are, our true authentic greatness, comes down to all the ways that we don't tell ourselves the truth, all the ways that we lie to ourselves. Maybe, you know, for me, it was not being honest with my father at 14 and, and hiding what I really felt. And maybe someone listening in, you're in a relationship that you know isn't right, you know is not aligned, but you've been in it for five years, 10 years, seven years, 20 years, and maybe you feel like this is all you know. Maybe you feel like, uh, if I tell myself the truth, I, I won't find love again. Maybe maybe you're afraid, what will, what will people think? Or you're feeling guilty in some way, but deep in your heart, you know that it's not right. Maybe you're working a job that you hate, and you know that this job is not the reason that you were put on the planet. There's a bigger purpose. There's more that's seeking to express, but you're afraid of if you are honest about that, if you leave, then what will happen? How will you survive? And so I think in so many ways, as human beings, we lie to ourselves to protect ourselves. But, but, I, but when you lie to yourself and don't tell yourself the truth, all it causes and creates is suffering. And so I would, I would just ask anyone, uh, if they're in that space, to really sit with a couple of questions. Number one, what lies are you telling yourself? I really believe in my heart, if you want to be free, if you want to be fulfilled, it's actually quite simple. Not always easy, but it's simple. Feel the truth, acknowledge the truth, embody the truth, speak the truth, tell the truth, happy life. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated that complicated but this but this complications and we complicate it in our minds based on our fears and our conditioning and so what lies am i telling myself truly what lies am i telling myself feel that acknowledge that own that transforming one's life i think starts with the willingness to tell yourself the truth number two really sit with what am i pretending to not know because many ways we're, we're kind of pretending to not know we play this game of confusion as human beings sometimes like Oh, I'm confused. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I don't know what my purpose is in life. I don't know what I should do in this relationship. When deep down we do know, we're just afraid of if we really own the knowing in our hearts, what will that mean for my life? And so we sometimes stay in the smokescreen of confusion. I think there's a part of us at the deepest level that knows everything because at the deepest level, we're connected to everything if we're, if we're willing to be courageous and own our truth. And so the other thing I'll just invite people to sit with, because these are things I sat with my whole life. And at that point, what is the pain? What, 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 what's the cost? What is the cost of not really living my truth? What is the cost? There is a cost when you betray yourself. There is a cost when you're not honest with your truth. There is a cost when you deny what's truly authentic to you. And that manifests as pain. And in many ways, as human being, what perpetuates and allows us to keep going is, is, is that we, we are constantly distracting ourselves from the pain. We feel pain. The pain is a teacher. 
To me, the pain is a gift. The pain is a blessing. When we distract ourselves from the pain by we smoke it away, we drink it away, we drug it away, we sex it away, we work it away, we social media it, it, it away, we eat it away, we shop it away, we, whatever it is. So, so we distract ourselves that allows us to kind of numb and anesthetize the pain, which then allows us to continue doing what's not working. And so I think one of the keys is for us to really acknowledge the pain, pain, is a teacher, pain is a gift, pain is feedback that something inside is not aligned. Something inside is a bit off. And I think if we can use the pain as a way to recalibrate back, use the pain as a way to feel and acknowledge, use the pain as an opportunity to go, okay, where am I out of alignment? Where am I lying to myself? Where am I not being honest? And bring yourself back into the true internal integrity. Pain then becomes our friend. And so that was a bit of, bit of my path. I came to the U.S. and found teachers and mentors and authors. And, you know, most of the folks I had studied uh, read their books as a kid. And then uh, after doing that, I went to seminars and learned and absorbed information. Then I started traveling the world, went to India, studied with, you know, enlightened mystics and masters, went to Israel, studied with rabbis, went to Egypt and, you know, studied with some Bedouins, went to Indonesia and Bali, studied with shamans, went to South America. And so I just went on a quest of trying to understand myself. And it was really out of my own internal uh, understanding and reflection that I was guided to then share with the world and started one-on-one and one-on-twenty and one-on-five-hundred and one-on-thousand. It just began growing from there. It's so interesting as you're saying all of this, you know, pieces of the book are echoing in my mind and I'm smiling thinking about some of the stories that you share. But I have to say, going back to one of the things you mentioned is the the knowing at a very young age that you wanted to help people. And it's interesting because you were born into a family where that could have been easily laid out for you. But I think the beauty of your stories, it really highlights is our paths are unique to us. And while, yeah, you could have very easily fallen, followed the footsteps of your father, but something in you knew it was different for you, could have been an easy transition, but it also would have created that misery and suffering because you weren't in that authenticity. And I just want to say that's um, one of the beautiful things about the book. And I, you know, have similar to some parts of your book where it's like, oh, you were very proud of yourself for the work that you're doing, the inner work, you thought you had some things figured out. And then some of the simple questions in your book, I really had to question myself like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, wait, well, what is the truth about this? And uh, what am I really holding on to about this? How honest am I really being? Because I think we do like one level of honesty, but we don't necessarily dig deep. So in part of what you shared as well, um, I hope that really does encourage people to consider what is their uniqueness and what is that calling they feel drawn towards. But when you were mentioning the questions, it reminded me of the book when you talked about having to ask yourself why you um, kept attracting, or someone asked you actually, why you kept attracting women who were jealous and having to contend with that question for yourself. And I thought that was so huge because we do question a lot of times, why do I have this pattern? Why do I attract these people? Why do I I end up in these circumstances? But we never think it really comes down to something personal. So I wanted to ask if you could just share a little bit more about that story, but also um, helping us to understand that importance of being uh, what did you call it? Radically honest with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the stories I, 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 
at, at that stage in my life, in my 20s, I kept attracting women that were jealous. I mean, the, at the, uh, 21 to 25, I was in a relationship with a woman who was the love of my life at the moment. And oh, I thought we were going to be together forever. I couldn't imagine being with anyone else. You know, one of those loves, right? And, and, and uh, outrageously jealous. Outrageously. Like, I mean, I would go in a room, look at another, just, just breathe around another woman. And she would just go, like it, it was over, we would fight. I mean, like, what did I do? I just looked, I mean, I'm just, just breathing here. And so it was so extreme in a strange way. Uh, and it was intense. And then, so that ended obviously in about four years and talk a bit about that in the book. Um, and then the next, another woman was like really jealous, not quite the same, but it was pretty uh, intense tendencies. And then the, another one, eventually I'm like, wait a second. You know, there's a common denominator in all of these experiences, and it's me. So right. if I'm going to shift the situation, I better shift myself. And so as I started being really radically honest with myself, I share about it in the book, that's when I had to take the focus off of the person out there, the person out there, the woman out there. And I really had to look inside and say, okay, why am I attracting this? What, in, what inside of me is incomplete or wants this experience, which is why I keep hooking, hooking it in. And what was hard for me at that stage of my life was to really be radically honest and, and acknowledge that I actually wanted to attract jealous women. Logically, I was in denial of them. Hell no, this is the last thing I want. But if it keeps showing up, some part of me is either incomplete or wants to attract it. And so, but I really had to be honest. And this was a turning point in my life where everything shifted was the acknowledgement of my own insecurity, the acknowledgement of my own inadequacy, insecurity, my own need to be needed, so mm -hmm. to speak, my own fear of abandonment even, and, and, and at that early stage of my life. And so somehow unconsciously, there was a part of me from that energy of in insecurity, inadequacy, abandonment, that felt, it wasn't conscious, that felt like, oh, if I'm with a woman that is jealous, you know, needs me then that that plays into and fulfills that need to be needed it, totally unhealthy toxic but it hooks into my own insecurity and, in, and inadequacy that i hadn't dealt with truly at that stage of my life and so i think that's the freedom you know in relationships i would say and, and so it takes look it takes a tremendous amount to transform your life to shift your patterns to transform your relationships it, it takes a tremendous amount of self-responsibility. The key to really shift it is the willingness to be radically, authentically responsible for how you feel and for what's showing up in your reality. If it's showing up in your reality, there's a reason for that. So I always say, look, in relationship, you attract to you someone who is a vibrational match. You attract to someone in a particular moment of your life that is a mirror manifestation of some aspect of yourself. You attract to you someone in relationship that is a mirror manifestation of an aspect of yourself that you most need to heal, integrate, make peace with, you know, embody, uh, embrace, forgive. There's something in them that is that in terms of why you've attracted them, that is mirroring something to you about yourself. And so ultimately there's a freedom that arises when you realize relationship is simply a mirror. A relationship is simply a mirror. There's a real profound freedom that happens when you take on that paradigm. And if relationship is a mirror and you're attracting to you something that is a person that is a mirror manifestation of an aspect of yourself, 
So that actually can put the power back in your hands because rather than trying to change what's out there, you can change what's out there and you can try to change the other person, which is what we often do, change the other person, fix the other person, you know, manipulate the other person to be different. But the fact is, if we haven't shifted in here, we'll just keep recreating and attracting those situations because all lessons are repeated until learned. There is no relationship out there. We think there's a relationship out there. It looks like there's a relationship out there. But I like to say there's only a relationship out there that's a projection of what's in here, out there. And the person that you attracted is simply a projection, is simply a manifestation of an aspect of your own consciousness. So if relationship is a mirror and you want to be free, the key question to ask ourselves is, if I look at my relationships and who shows up, do I like what I see? Do I like what I'm attracting? Because if you don't, and you keep saying, well, it's him, it's her, it's him, nothing will shift. If you don't, and you're willing to just take responsibility and say, okay, what is it within me? What is it that I need to look at? What is it that I'm not complete with? What is it that I haven't made peace with? What is it that I haven't forgiven? What is it that's not complete? What is it within me that I need to shift? This is what you can control. You can control what's in here. You can't control what's out there. And so I think that's, that's, that's why I think relationships on any level could be with friends, with family, with your child, often especially intimate romantic relationships because somehow romantic relationships seem to find those places inside of you that are, you can't hide, you know? You can hide things from your kid, you can hide things from your friends, but you can't hide, you know, it just shows you and reflects to you your own triggers, your own incompletions, your own reactions. So I think if you understand then that the real purpose of relationship is ultimately for your evolution. The real purpose of relationship is, is a spiritual path, a yoga, a spiritual practice, a transformational uh, process vehicle that is for your soul's growth and evolution. When you really look at relationship from that context, oh, it's not just to have have fun, have sex, you know, get some roses, watch Netflix, go on vacations. That's all great, beautiful, but it's really a transformational spiritual evolutionary path through which that person is your teacher in some way. And there's certain lessons that you and the other person have attracted each other into each other's life to grow, to learn, and to evolve. So the real success then in relationship is not so much how long you stay together, although that is one metric, the real success in relationship is the degree to which you learn the lessons for which you and that person came together and the degree to which you became more authentically who you really, really, really were. To me, this is success. Even if the relationship ends, lasts one year, one month, two years, two months, six years, 60 years, the real success is the degree to which you learned, grew and evolved and became yourself that's success rather than we just stay together forever, but are miserable and we're no longer growing and we hate each other, you know, but we tend to define success in relationship as that. And so I think that is success in, in, on any level, you know, ultimately life as souls, we incarnate into this human experience because I think there's certain lessons that our souls, we are here to learn. There's certain lessons. We're so, so life itself is a classroom for your soul's evolution. 
Life itself is a university for your soul's growth. When you understand that, when you really get that, that every challenging, difficult situation is part of your soul's curriculum, every relationship, every divorce, every up, every, it's part of your soul's curriculum. When you really shift your paradigm and perspective and way of viewing life to a, shall we say, a soul view, a soulistic view, uh, I'm making up words, right? But soul, 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 you view, when you look at life through the lens of the soul, not just a story or the ego, then every moment, you know, is a profound opportunity for growth. Every moment you're in relationship with yourself through everyone you meet. And I think that's, that starts then shifting how you relate to life in a very profound way. And I think can give you a freedom to then go through life in a different way than if you're caught up in the story and the mind and the ego and this is happening and that's happening. So why is this happening? Why didn't I attract this person? What am I seeking to learn? When you go through life that way, I think it changes everything. Well, I think a lot of what you just shared, I mean, highlights so beautifully what is really presented in the book. Because, you know, when I went back and looked at the title after well, listening to it, I listened to the audio book, although I have the physical book. I was like, oh, okay, so we're surrendering the lie. <laughs> we're surrendering the, the suffering that is really perpetuated by the lies and, and coming back to even recognizing that so much of what we are believing that isn't true. It's just choice. It's just a matter of how we're seeing things. It's just that we've identified so much with the stories that we've echoed, mm -hmm. that we've told ourselves that have been told to us. And we cling to these things and um, not wanting to make others uncomfortable and just like, okay, well, I will suffer so that they don't, but really we're both suffering. I mean, there were just so many layers to simplifying and taking, like zooming out and going, yeah. okay, like what's true for me? Mm. And those simple questions of what am I learning in this exchange? But one thing I want to highlight of what you pointed out, because I know a lot of people struggle when they hear we attract in um, people and situations that are mirroring something to us. And I think a lot of people think that means it's exacting, like, okay, so you attracted jealous women. So that means you're a jealous man. But actually, it was just mirroring what was inside of you, which was different than the jealousy itself. Mm -hmm. So I just want to highlight for people when you hear that it doesn't mean you're mirroring what that person holds, but they are mirroring yeah. what is inside of you. So just yeah. wanted to um, clarify that. <laughs> awesome. But I also love that you uh, referred to relationship itself as a spiritual practice. I mean, just that alone, I was like, ah, gosh, yes, that's really powerful if we can um, see it and honor it and respect it as such. But I want to go back a little bit, Coop, because listen, <laughs> I know I only have an hour with you and I literally had six pages of notes. That's how much so much of your book struck me. Wow. Um, I want to go back to the very beginning um, because this was also um, so endearing, really, where you share a lot about your relationship with your mother. But at the start of the book, you talk about her transition, but how through her transition, you became a better son and even in a lot of ways, a better person. And it seems like it pushed you more deeply into your purpose by recognizing so much of the gifts of who she was that you may not have noticed as much prior to the very end. 
So I wanted to ask you um, about that. And the reason is, is because a lot of times we have a hard time letting go, whether it's someone has passed, loss of a job, loss of a relationship, whatever it may be. And so we cling to the loss instead of maybe seeing what we learned from the person, the experience and how that lesson or those teachings could propel us forward. So could you share a little bit about how um, <laughs> that time with her and even some of what you shared in the book, how it really did open you up and help you to create this spaciousness for more surrender in your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I will say is, yeah. So, so in terms of the story, just to give people a context, is my mother was diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer at the end of 2016. And I was my first book, You Are the One, was out. I was traveling for that and came as a complete surprise, you know, totally unexpected. If anything, I expected my father to go first because he's maybe nine, 10 years older. So it just seemed logical. And uh, so I was in Los Angeles living in LA. And so I start, started to fly back from Los Angeles to London every month to be literally every month to be with my mother. And I'd be with her during her chemo sessions. And this is a woman that pretty much raised me single-handedly. And I'm the closest with closest person to me really on the planet the person I love the most and uh and so as I started to travel back and forth to to London to be with her in her chemo sessions and take care of her for three four five days at a time uh my intention was I was going to get her better and make her well and heal her and you know green juice and supplements and pretty soon once I got there maybe a few weeks I really had this feeling like she's she's going to die you know she's this is I could, I could tell it was moving in that there, it was just a sense and a feeling and it was still early on, but it was already late stage. And, and so I had to let her go even in the beginning because, and, and it was through the grieving and letting her go that actually, and the acceptance so that she, nothing I do, this is where the surrender started too. It's, it's nothing I do is going to keep her alive. No amount of prayer, no amount of chanting, no amount of yoga, no amount of meditation, no amount of crystals, no amount of, you know, anything, nothing is going to work. She's, she, she's dying. This is her destiny. And so all you can do in that moment is surrender. That's it. And it was through that acceptance and surrender that freed me up to just be with her for the next seven months or so, you know, to be with her fully because I realized she was dying. And so, so every moment was precious now, even more precious than before, because every moment could be the last. Every text could be the last. Every conversation, the last. Every email, the last. Every time I held her hand, the last. So, so it, it freed me up to love her even more authentically and even more fully. And that was, I would say, profound gift of of the surrendering to the process, the surrendering to what was, you know? And so I remember halfway in the process when the doctors officially said, look, there's nothing else we can do. You have days, weeks, maybe months to live at most. So get ready. And I looked at my mother and I think this is where also the Genesis, at least some of the seeds for the book were planted. I looked at my mother as soon as she was told, you know, in the car and, and, and I said, are you afraid? Are you afraid? She said, no, I'm not afraid. I'm like, you're not afraid. She said, I know that I'm not, a, I, I'm not this body. 
This body is temporary. I'm just a soul. I'll, I will be with you from the other side, guiding you every step of the way. But this body is just a vehicle. Wow. You know, she, I could tell she really felt it. And then I looked at her and I said, with the intention of being a good son, I looked at her and I really said, uh, what can I do for you to make your last days easier? What, how can I support you? How can I serve? What do you want? What do you need? And she said to me, this is where I realized her true greatness. She looked at me and she said, there's nothing I need. There's nothing I want. All I want is what God wants for my life. And it wasn't a religious statement. It was a statement of surrender, really. I really, I realized that the reason that this is a woman who's very emotional, but this entire year didn't cry, didn't, didn't yell, didn't scream, didn't uh, feel like a victim, didn't feel upset, just peace. She was at peace the entire time, not faking it. And I saw that it was because she was surrendered. I want what God wants for my life. And when I looked at her, I saw that she wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was at peace. That was the key. Surrender was the key to her freedom, you know, and, and uh, it was really profound. I, I saw that her true greatness was in her level of freedom. And here my mother was, I grew up with her, it's just my mom, but her entire life, I saw she'd been living freedom. She married an African guy who she'd never met, never seen a picture of, couldn't speak the same language as for years and said yes to marry, marrying him, having never met him, having never spoken to him but following her soul's calling. And that was my mother. And so I was in such profound realization of who she was and what she was, you know? And, and I will say that uh, it was very humbling to realize her true essence. And I think this is, surrender is the key, is the password to freedom. When I really looked at the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, you know, the real great ones, they all reached a point in their lives where at some point they surrendered. At some point they let go. At some point they surrendered their idea of how they thought life should be. And this is surrender, surrendering your idea of how you think life should be, of what you think should happen, of who you think you should be. Surrendering that to truly open to what life is seeking to express, to truly open, to, to be open to life. Because in many ways we have so many ideas of how we think life should be and what we think life should be and where we think we should be going, that we try to control everything. You know, we try to control our bodies in exercise. We try to control our, you know, our thoughts in meditation. We try to control God in our prayers. God, give me this, do that. You know, we try to control the weather. We try to control our spouse. We try to control our children. We try to control our pet goldfish. We try to control everything, you know? And, and I think if we really look at our lives, how does that really work? trying to control it. Has it really worked? Has it brought us joy, fulfillment, peace? It tends to just bring us distress, suffering, you know, uh, upset, burnout. It doesn't bring us fulfillment, joy, happiness, bliss, ecstasy. And, and so I think there's so many limitations to the way we have tried to force everything to be a certain way, make things be a certain way, force life to fit and conform to our little idea of how we think it should be. And that's when we end up limiting our lives. And I think you can manifest a life, forcing and controlling and willing your way, but I think it's limited. And so really my mother taught me and through the book, it's an invitation to truly surrender, truly open to life itself. And so the old paradigm of a question that we're conditioned to ask is, what do I want? 
What do I want? You know, what do I want? My mother never asked that question. And this is what I saw. This is what I learned. So the old question is, is I call it the ego-based model of living. What do I want? I, limited ego, I, what do I want? Um, and you might get everything you thought you wanted, only to realize, is this it? Many times what we think we want is just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we think we are. But if we're not in touch with who we really are, and in many ways, the goal, many of our goals, if we're not truly conscious, are projections from our past, past childhood, past conditioning, you know, past wounds, unmet wounds, unmet desires, maybe as a kid, dad wasn't around, mom wasn't around, we felt not enough, we felt unworthy. And so somehow we project the goal unconsciously, if I can... If I can get that body, if I can look that way, if I can get that house, if I can get that car, if I can make a gazillion dollars, then I'm going to be enough for what I wasn't enough. And so our goals then aren't even authentic. Our goals then are never, will never be truly fulfilling because what we're seeking is something totally different. So really, true surrender is a different question. Not what do I want, but a question I saw my mother live and I saw my father live. And my mother lived it in such a profound way. The question, I think, to truly elevate to the next level of life is asking yourself, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express through me? What is it that God is seeking to express through me? What is it that this infinite intelligence, consciousness is seeking to express through me? What is the deepest impulse of life? What is the deepest impulse of life that is seeking to express through me right now? And to feel into that, to tune into that, to align with that, to feel that, to allow that, and to allow ourselves to then listen to that, attune to that, and allow life to express through us, you know? And what I've really found, and I saw it with my mother, what life can do through us and what life can manifest through us is way more than what we can do on our own. To me, this is surrender. There's way more than what we can do on our own. If you look at... Gandhi, life used Gandhi, life used Mother Teresa, life used Bruce Lee, life used Muhammad Ali, life used, life used them. And what they were able to do was, was move mountains. You know, we have this idea that surrender is weak. If you surrender, you're not going to get your dreams, goals, and desires. If you surrender, you're going to be homeless. If you surrender, you're going to be a doormat. If you surrender, it's weak. I think surrender is the, is the most powerful thing that we can do as human beings. Because when we do, we take the limits off of life. We tap, into, we tap into life and, and, and sort of infinite intelligence of life can then really move through us. And so my mother lived surrender every day of her life, you know, in such a profound way. And, you know, one thing I really, if there's, if there's one regret I have in my life, talking about my mother since you asked, <clears throat> I think it's really when you're faced with those moments that you, you're forced to surrender, but you, what I realized uh, the only regret I have is not spending more time with my mother. It's really the only regret, true regret I have in my life. It's like I've done so many things, but I regret not spending more time. And so I think death reminds us of what's really important. You know, death reminds us of what's real. Death reminds us of what's essential, you know, what's really essential. And so there's many other things I could say, but if someone is struggling with letting go, I would say you can surrender now, you can surrender tomorrow, you can surrender next life, you can surrender on your deathbed. At some point in this human experience, you will have to surrender. And I think there's a great freedom when you can surrender now because then you can be open. 
And so if you're having a hard time surrender, just feel, feel your death. You're going to die. Feel it. Feel it. Things you're holding on to in the face of death. Is it really important? That grudge, is that really important? Surrender is letting go of that grudge. Surrender is being, letting go of that relationship. Is that grudge really important? Is being right really important? So feel your death. Like, I could die today. It's real. None of, most people that died today had no idea that they weren't coming home that night. Most people in that tsunami, in that car accident, you know, had zero idea. They thought they had more time. They thought they could come home and say to their loved ones, I really, really, really love you. They thought they could have more time. I'll wait three or four years until my dad apologizes to me. We don't have time. Every moment, we're dying. Death is real. So I just invite people, hold death close. Feel it. Feel it. Meditate on it. What can people do? Meditate on your death. Tune into it. And let the reality of death awaken you to the preciousness of life every second. And so for me, it helped me surrender more because I realized I don't have time to waste. We don't have time to waste over like that. And so how would you need to live? I would invite everyone to sit with how, how would you need to live so that if death came, you would have no regrets, like no regrets. Because once you die and you meet your maker, and I hope everyone lives a long life, but once you die and you meet your maker, whatever you believe, you can't go to God and say, God, you know, I wasted two years in that job I hated. I wasted seven years in that relationship. Can I get a refund? Once it's gone, it's gone. And so feel, if you knew the date and time of your death, it was written on a piece of paper, so here you go. Would that change how you're living? So to be free, what, what would you, I would invite everyone to sit with, what do I need to surrender? What do I need to let go? What do I need to release? What's not working in my life? The next level of your life will require the next level of you, which will require that you let go of what's not truly aligned, authentic right now in your life. People, situations, patterns, addiction, ways of being. But many times we, hold, we tend to hold on to what's not working. We tend to hold on to things because they're familiar, we're comfortable. It, we don't realize that we're just blocking our blessing. We're blocking our, our graduation to that next level, the manifestation of the next level. But I think all of us get to a point where the life that we've created is too small for who we're seeking to become. And that's when we have to let go. That's when we have to surrender and make space for the new. That is beautifully said. And you know, as you're saying it, it made me realize your book does that in a lot of ways. It mirrors for us as well. So while life is constantly giving us opportunity to see ourselves and recognize, you know, our choice and um, how our perspectives and what we hold and what we're trying to control and all of these things, we have constant opportunity to recognize how that's impacting us and really starting to recognize what is authentic, what feels right and true for us versus what we're trying to accommodate even for other people. But your book does that. It really does mirror back like, hey, get real with yourself. Here's my story. I found, although your stories weren't, you know, exact, exactly what I've gone through, they were similar enough. I think we can all see ourselves in the different stories that you told, where that in itself becomes a mirror. And the questions that you ask, that then cause us to go like, man, like being very reflective about, well, I guess mm. there's some more to really look at and dig into. But, um, and that's, 
part of this, I mean, just really amplifying for us, recognizing how much fear and control is causing our suffering, but again, recognizing we have choice and what it is that we are learning or have the opportunity to learn right now with the people and the experiences and everything that's going on in life. I mean, your book just, listen, clearly, I loved it. I loved it. So before you go, I have to ask this because I'm sure a lot of people will listen and say, well, cool, sounds good. But how do I trust that? Okay, like, okay, surrender and let the universe express through me. And you do mention this in the book. I just want to uh-huh. let everyone know he does tell you how to go about this. But if you could just give us um, briefly, what can someone do if they're even considering, okay, I'm just going to trust and ask the universe, go ahead and express through me. How do I know if what I'm feeling or sensing is right? Well, okay, I'll answer your question in a few different ways. Okay. Um, how can you not trust? You know, I would throw the question back to the, the folks listening. Like, how can you not trust? We live on a small planet spinning around a, a freaking universal system, right? Spinning at God knows what speed. And how can you not trust? Like, like, like really? Like, you and I... To me, all of life is proof, is proof that you can trust. There is an intelligence. Mm-hmm. Right now, you and I, we've been, we've been talking. Everyone, we've been talking, having a conversation. And we've been breathing. We've been sitting here breathing. It's just happening. You're not thinking of breathing. None of us are going, oh, my God, breathe, breathe, breathe. I hope I can breathe. You're doing some special technique. It's just breath is happening. We're being breathed naturally, innately, spontaneously. Breathing is happening through you, through me, in your body. Tune in, just like tune into your body. There are trillions of processes happening in your body right now. Trillions of cells interacting and moving and processing and making things happen. Digestion, liver, heart colon, intestines, brain, eyesight. It's all happening in this intricate miracle that is you. I would invite everyone to really daily, practically connect with your body, feel your body, tune into your body, feel what is actually living and breathing and what is actually going on. If, If that doesn't make you wake up into a level of trust, it's like, wow, you cut your finger, your body knows how to heal itself. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to pray or meditate or even be a good, you, you can be a murderer and your body will still heal itself. There's an intelligence inside that we've lost touch with. We've overrided, we've disconnected from, let's just tune in. So every day, tune into your body, feel your body, acknowledge it. Like, wow, what's breathing me? If you look outside where now the sun is out, I don't know, has there ever been a day 10 a.m. in the morning, 11 a.m., midday, where it was pitch black outside. I've never experienced that, at least in America or in the U.K., pitch black outside midday, never. Like, oh, what happened? Oh, the sun, it just, it just forgot to come out today. You know, it was just sun fell asleep. It didn't set its alarm clock. It didn't, I mean, every day the sun rises. It is never a day that the sun hasn't rise and the moon hasn't come up and the sun sets, so it's just cycle and the rhythm. Spend time in nature. Observe nature. We've disconnected from nature. If you observe nature, the sun, the stars, the moon, the water, the mountain, the, the crops, the, the cycles, the seasons, there's an intelligence that is, that is unfolding life. 
whatever it is, whatever you want to believe, something. To me, this intelligence is breathing you, the same intelligence that's breathing you is breathing 8 billion people. The same intelligence that's functioning you and 8 billion people is functioning the sun, the stars, the moon, the solar systems, the galaxies, you know, all species, you know, from small to big. It's feel it, tune into it, observe it like, wow, this whole thing is amazing. You know, how can we not trust? We have just forgotten that you and I, we are a part of nature too. You know, we, we somehow disconnected from the fact we're a part of nature. The mango on the tree or the pineapple on the tree isn't going, oh my God, what do we do? How are we going to grow? How, 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 am I, how are we going to get to the grocery? How, we, how am I going to get to the grocery store? How am I going to get to Whole Foods? It's just, it's a part of nature. We're a part of nature. So just tune into your body, spend time in nature. This is a place I think people can begin. This is a place I think people can start. In terms of, I would also invite people to look at Look at all the things in your life that didn't happen, didn't go according to plan. Things you really wanted, that relationship that you really, you were in love with that person and you were sure they were the one, we've all had one of those and we really wanted that to happen and we couldn't imagine living without that person and now you broke up and years have passed and you think back to yourself, thank God thank that God. didn't happen. <laughs> Thank God that didn't happen. But you were so sure. Thank God. They couldn't pay you to go back there. Is that not intelligence? Think about all the moments in your life where what you thought you wanted didn't happen. Because to me, what you, when, when what you, sometimes when what you thought you wanted doesn't happen, this is grace. It's a blessing. This is love of the universe. Love of lo life loving you. Because when that happens, the ego, the mind, we're, not always, we're often not able to see the entire picture. We're, not, we're often not able to understand in the moment why that is the way it is. And so look at all the things that you thought you wanted to happen that didn't happen. And look at how, just take a look at how those things worked out possibly better than you imagined. Better than you imagined. I would say look at important, significant moments in your life and people that you met the love of your life, your husband, your wife, your best friend, so those people that changed your life. Did you plan that? Did you sit there and go, yeah, on January the 12th, I'm going to walk into to a coffee shop at 13th and Grand, and that's when I'm going to meet my soulmate. It just happens. Things happen. Many of the best things in life just happen. So long as we are just in the flow of living and listening. So I would just invite people then to feel your truth and feel your heart and feel the energy. Life has an energy. Life is like an ocean. It has a flow. Like, like, like an ocean has a flow. It has a flow. You can go against the flow. Like imagine you went to the ocean. You're like, you know what? I want to surf this way. There's nothing there. But I'm going to take a fire hose and make a hose and take my surfboard and, and make up a wave. Good luck. It's going to get interesting. Probably going to be challenging. But if, if you feel the wave, so part of our job in life is in terms of trust, is to trust what we feel and to, and to feel the, oh, the energy of life. Where is the energy of life moving? And attune to feel where the energy of life is moving and go in that direction, move in that direction. So you're allowing, becoming comfortable to allow life to lead you, allow life to show you rather than projecting onto life. The other thing in terms of truly surrendering and trusting even more is giving up 
with a constant need to know. Giving up the constant need to know what everything means. Giving up the constant need to know what is and what isn't. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's, gonna, it's like, this, this is how we drive ourselves crazy. In so many ways, as human beings, so what I'm really inviting is embracing the unknown. Embracing the, the degree to which we can embrace the unknown is the degree to which we'll be free. And even things, see, knowing is really an illusion, if you think about it. It's an illusion of how the mind, the ego, tries to control and feel a sense of safety and security. We think we know what something is. Oh, I can relax because now I know what this is. I know what this means. I know what's going to happen. I know what this relationship is. I know what's happening in the pandemic. I know what my... And then some other things happen. But we, but we just had an illusion of safety and security based on our idea of what we thought we knew. But what we don't realize is that when we attach to a knowing, we attach ourselves to like, this is what it is. Now we get attached to that for a sense of security. We're not really open to the rest. We're not open to what else it could be. We're not open to other things. We're not open. And so I think it's so important in the process of surrender and trusting that we embrace a very important quality, and that is curiosity. To live with curiosity and the willingness to not impose what we think something means, because our ability to interpret what something means as a human being is limited by our consciousness and conditioning and our ego uh, and, and, and the level of uh, perception of our ego structure in a moment, which is determined by our past. So we're, we're often not seeing what something really is. We're projecting onto something what it is, not really seeing what it really is. Hence, we limit life. We don't realize we're limiting life. Maybe we're thinking it's this, and the universe wants to give us this, but we're like, no, 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 it's this. And so when we live with curiosity, we're available, we're humble, we're open, but Okay, life, show me what this is. That's a profound freedom, and, and, and that's real surrender. It's real surrender, giving up that constant need to know. You know, it's funny. We trust, talk about trust. How is it that we trust Siri on the phone? Hey, Siri, tell me. We trust Siri more than we trust our soul. Siri says turn left. We turn left. We don't question. Siri says turn right, turn right. We don't question. I've never seen anyone say, Siri, it's okay. Are you sure, Siri? Do you know, have you been there before, Siri? I've never seen anyone argue with Siri. But what do we do? We, our soul says, call that person. Your soul says, go in that direction. Your soul says, you know, go to that location. Your soul says, write that book. We, we, are you sure, soul? Do you, I mean, really, we start questioning. And we block ourselves from taking a step. And so giving up the need to know you take a step. You follow the impulse. In, in terms of life, you feel where the energy moves. You feel where the pull is. And you take a step in that direction. You take a step. You don't have to know what is going to happen, but trust that life reveals itself to you in the process of living itself. Many times, what we think is the goal. We have a goal. Oh, that's the goal. Many times, what we think is the goal is not really the goal. What we think is the goal is sometimes a necessary puzzle piece in the process of our soul's evolution. So we get attached that this is the goal, but that's not really the goal. But if we don't take the step towards that goal, 
then we don't learn the lessons we need to learn and become who we need to become along the way. And as a result, we're not truly ready for the next level of our purpose and evolution. So we had to go down that path. We had to, you know, but if we're already projecting and thinking we know what it means and what it isn't, then we don't take the journey. And so to, to, to trust, to say, you know what? I'm going to trust the journey. If you follow your soul, if you follow what's authentic, if you follow the pull, like my mind tells me do this, but something's pulling me here. If you follow that pull, I believe that you will always end up exactly where you need to be. It might not take you the route that you expect. It might not take you the path you wanted to go, but you will end up exactly where you need to be and learn the lessons that you need to learn. And I think that's part of the magic of surrender. You know? So I tell people, trust, trust life. If you want the magic, magic being beyond what you can imagine for yourself, if you want the magic, you've got to surrender. That's the equation. Surrender is yeah. the password to freedom, you know, really. But it's so good that you highlight all of that because I think, you know, and you do mention in the book as well, a lot of people hear surrender and they think it means giving up. It means like completely, then what, I just like go about my goals, then I do nothing, but I just sit here and wait. So I like that you emphasize that no, it really is just really an openness. It's trusting and you still are active. It's not passive, it's still active. You go in the direction of what's true. Mm-hmm. Not what your mind says should do this and should do this. It's like, well, I should date him and I should go here and I hear. No, no, this is what's true. You move in the authentic, because many times we're going in directions that's just the ladder's on the wrong wall, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now what, what, what we're building is not authentic. And so if, if you're going in a direction of what's true, trust that you're being guided along the way. And, and, and then the key is to not get attached to the outcome. That's really what's important to really not get so attached to it's got to be this because you follow that direction it's leading you where you need to go may not be where you think that's 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 really important. One thing I will say too that I think will help people don't think I shared this uh, in our conversation is to really move into surrender. You know, when I talk about surrender I'm talking about open-hearted participation in the process of life that's happening true open-hearted participation in the process of life. There's a difference between acceptance and surrender. Acceptance is not surrender. Many people get stuck in acceptance. Acceptance is where you accept what is. Yes, in order to change something, you have to accept it, come into relationship with it. But you can accept, you can be an acceptance of what is, but still be pissed off and upset. You can be an acceptance of what is, but not be participating fully. You're accepting what is, but you're not participating. You're like, I accept my husband or my wife, but they shouldn't be the way they are. And I'm going to withhold my love and hold back until they change. You're accepting it, but you're you're resisting it at the same time, right? That could be accepted. Surrender is different. Two things help with true surrender. When you understand that the universe is always working for your highest good. Universe is always working for your highest good even if it doesn't seem that way in the moment, because the universe is always moving in the direction of evolution. The universe is always moving in the direction of expansion and evolution, always working for your highest good. If you trust that, then it makes it a bit easier to say, okay, this relationship didn't work out. Let me let go. Let me release. 
Let me surrender. Okay. Some, that means something better is coming my way. Something be better than this. Stay, op stay open. The other thing I would say is when, when you understand that you are a soul, and as a soul, you incarnate, I said this earlier, into this human experience to learn, grow, and evolve. When you remember that that's the game of life is evolution. It's learning the lessons you need to learn to grow, evolve, become more of who you really are, realize your true essence and your true potential. Then, even if the situation is challenging or difficult or it's tough, it's like, ah. Uh, if you understand that, oh, okay, there's, there's what's happening here, but then there's a soul level. So why I attracted this situation. And, and so long as you understand that, oh, my soul is seeking to learn something in this situation, in this relationship, in this dynamic, even though it's difficult, then you can surrender to the lesson that your soul is seeking to learn and shift your relationship with the experience because you're like, okay, it's not so much about the experience. It's about the lesson. I can surrender to that. And then go through it. Once you learn the lesson, that will often help you graduate or shift the situation. That's the freedom. That's the freedom. Between acceptance and surrender, though, is a key thing that I think will help people. It's a key phase that most people miss is grief or grieving. Acceptance, surrender in the middle, grieving. Most people skip the grieving so they don't get to the true, authentic, open-hearted surrender. Mm. Grieving, see, Surrender is a death. It's a death of an idea, death of a vision. Death of, it's, it's a death. It's a letting go in some way, shape, or form. So if you're truly surrendering, there's going to be some grief. You're going to be giving, letting go of some things. There's going to be some grief if you're truly surrendering. Now, we often resist the grief because we're afraid if I grieve, it will last forever. If I grieve, I won't be able to handle it. I won't be able to cope. Sometimes we avoid the grief as a way to avoid the reality. Like if I don't grieve that my relationship is over, then I don't have to acknowledge or admit it's over. If I don't fully grieve my mother is past, then I can still kind of hold on to the idea of her and not really acknowledge that she's gone, even though she's gone. So by not grieving, we keep ourselves stuck. Uh, another reason why we sometimes don't grieve or embrace grieving in our culture is... is I, it's actually a spiritual bypass, right? Where people say, I want to be in a high vibration. I want to stay in a high vibe. Grief is not a high vibe. I want to stay in a high vibe. And as a result, we suppress the grief, like a hyper positivity, toxic positivity almost. We suppress the grief. We don't realize that all feelings remain present until fully felt. All feelings remain. So when we suppress the grief, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays stuck in our body, in our nervous system, in our energy. And as a result, we move, you try to move forward, but you carry the energy of grief with you. Some part of you is not fully available to the new, fully available to relationship, fully available to the new possibilities because you're stuck in the old energy of grief. And you will tend to recreate and manifest and attract to you experiences and situations and relationships that, that, that vibrationally match the unresolved grief that you're still carrying in your body, in your essence, in your being. And so to truly surrender, we have to grieve. We have to let go. It's through grieving the old that you can let go of the old. There's more space in your heart to truly embrace the new and trust the new, be available to the new, whether it's new life, new relationship, 
new possibilities, a new way of being. And so I think honor the grief. Grief doesn't always happen on the timeline. Grief happens in stages. Grief can happen in layers. Feel it. Don't wallow in it. Feel it. Breathe through it. Let it move through. And let those waves of grief move through. However they need to move through. That's part, that's part of surrendering and truly, truly letting go. And I think when we can do that, then there's more freedom on the other side. Then we can move into a sense of flow. So I'd ask everyone to sit with, what do I need to grieve that I haven't grieved? Because we, we try to, it's like you're trying to fly, but you have too much cargo from the past. Plane taking off, like you imagine a plane trying to take off, but it didn't empty it, it, its cargo from the last flight. And it's just carrying more and more baggage from the last flight. Eventually it can't take off. And so many of us were trying to take off but we, 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 have bag, we have cargo and baggage from when we were 5 and 10 and 18 and then the last relationship and last relationship. And then it ends up keeping us grounded. And so what do I need to grieve? What do I need? What have I not grieved? Let it go. When you let go, you create the space. You create more space within your heart, within yourself. Then, more, then the more magic can unfold in your life. Absolutely beautiful and interesting. I don't think that's a part that you really hear anyone ever speak about, but that makes all the sense in the world. And I have to tell you, Kud, I'm very thankful to have come across your work. Also, of course, to actually meet you and get to hear you talk about your work. But um, the last thing I want to share with you is uh, even hearing you speak now, it's reminding me of the story in your book where you talk about where you did the seminar and it was just your friend who brought her friend and the two people but I want you to know um, really sincerely how impactful your book was for me. And so I am deeply grateful for this. And I know that everyone listening is probably like, okay, where, how, how do I get more coot, right? So <laughs> I just want to um, have you please share with us sure. how can people connect with you? And then I know you have some like online events, you have a virtual sure, event. Sure, sure, yeah. Can yeah, you share yeah. that with us? Uh, people can find out uh, the book is available on Amazon. Go to Amazon, get the book. Uh, I think it's still up. Go to once you get the book. Go to themagicofsurrender.com. www.themagicofsurrender.com, and we'll keep it up for a few more weeks, depending on when this interview goes goes live. Uh, where you can enter your receipt and receive a whole bunch of free gifts, videos, meditation, training, what have you. Uh, you'll receive uh, those free gifts that will help you integrate surrender into your life. My main website is kutblackson.com, just my name, K-U-T-Blackson.com. Um, let's see uh, if people are ready to go for a deep dive to the next level. My favorite thing to do uh, is a 12-day deep dive transformational journey in Bali. Uh, we have that coming up in December, and every, July and December of every year, but not this July, so December, depending on when people listen to this. So that's www boundlessblissbali.com uh, I'm reachable on Instagram Facebook yes we have a virtual event coming up called the love breakthrough experience it's going to be a one day approximately six hour event the love breakthrough experience kind of actually focusing on relationship and love and how that is a transformational vehicle for healing and growth etc cetera, etc cetera. and so it's going to be a powerful virtual one day live event uh, people can find out more about at uh, on that on uh, lovebreakthroughexperience.com that's lovebreakthroughexperience.com sign up it's going to be a powerful day uh, see you there yes so of course I will put the links to everything down in the show description and I just <clears throat> want to remind everyone again the book is called The Magic of Surrender and 
it's very, very powerful. I mean, clearly just listening to you, I know people are like, okay, I gotta get this book. So I do wanna thank you again, Coop, for showing up and sharing with us today and hope to see you again very soon. Thank you, thanks for having me. Thank you, love. Okay, beautiful alchemist. I just want to thank you so much again for being here and supporting Reiki Radio. And of course, I have to say thank you very much to Coot for showing up and sharing his wisdom, his inspiration, his book with all of us. So in case you missed it, again, the book is called The Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. And you can find the links to contact Coot if you would like to work with him, connect with him. Go to his website, kootblackson.com. That's K-U-T-E blackson.com. I also will put the links for his um, retreat in Bali and his virtual event that's coming up, all of the things so that you can connect with him and his work. I also want to always welcome new people to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. If you don't know already, you can learn more about me and my work at theenergeticalchemist.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter for your free gifts. And if you are an energy healer and would like some energetic mentoring, be sure to join us in the alchemy circle. So that is all for this week. I will see you all soon. And remember to always journey in love.